You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy, One Step Off the Grid and The Driven Websites. And welcome to this very latest episode of the Driven Podcast and the first for 2023. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of the Driven, as lo- as well as uh, the renewables-focused Renew Economy and, for good measure, one step off the grid. And um, it's been a few months since we did our last podcast, but we're now going to do a bi-weekly or hopefully a weekly podcast going into 2023 because there is so much going on and so much to talk about and some really exciting developments. I've got two guests with me um, today, and the first one I'd like to introduce you to is Daniel Bleakley. He's the uh, newly appointed lead reporter for the Driven website, and some of you may know his name for doing the uh, YouTube Coleman minor in Tesla's series, which was uh, fantastic. So, Daniel, um, welcome. Thanks very much, Giles. Yeah, it's uh, it's great great to be here, and yeah, it's been been great to write a few stories um, for the Driven over the past past few weeks, um, and and join the team. It's yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic to have you on board, and particularly the sort of the way that you approach um, some of the reporting about the EVs too. You're kind of also t- challenging the established car makers to sort of shift and and, and, and move their butts. Um, you know, particularly as the story that we wrote today showed that the car industry in general is just so far behind on its share of the workload to get to try and keep warming at 1.5 degrees. But um, look, we'll get into some of those de- details later. It's fantastic having you on board, and you will be a co-host and ultimately the host of the Driven Podcast. I'm really looking forward to that. But I'd also like to welcome back to the Driven Podcast after a couple of years, uh, Robert Llewellyn from Fully Charged. Um, Robert, um, welcome back to Australia. Thank you. No, it's a, well, it's a very, it's a genuine pleasure to be here. No, it's, it's very nice to escape a, a northern hemisphere winter. I never, I never turned down that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to turn into an annual event. I... Well, I'd love to, yeah, yeah. Well, you might well do that because um, one of the reasons you're in Australia, I mean, it's obviously to see relatives and, and things like that, but one of the reasons you're in Australia be, is that you're going to be hosting what I suspect is undoubtedly the biggest electric vehicle event ever to be held in Australia, a fully charged event in Sydney, um, the first of a whole series of events you're going to be holding um, around the world this year. And, and, and um, I don't know whether it's going to be an annual event or a sort of a twice yearly event or um, every two years, but biannual, is that biannual or is that, I'm not too sure now. Um, but it, it it's, it sounds very exciting. Yeah, no, the plan is definitely to do an annual event here. I mean, it is uh, always very nerve-wracking. I, I, I have. I just want to really underline the fact that I have very little or nothing to do with organising the show because if I did, it would be an absolute disaster and no one would come. But there, there's a very good, very, very experienced and professional team running the actual event, and it has gone way beyond anyone's expectations in terms of exhibitors and commitment from Australian companies and car companies from around the world to have stuff on display there. So that is really, really encouraging because the first year you do a show like that is always a struggle because no one really knows what it's going to be like. So we've done, you know, the first year shows in the United States and in Amsterdam in Europe, and they've, they've been a, a kind of a challenge. They've worked and they haven't, and the public have come, you know, large groups of of the general public have come to see, but what's been a struggle is getting 
particularly car companies. Uh, <laughs> I think we can talk about car companies, I'm sure, at a later stage. But you know that they're they're so fearful of a, of effectively an area that they've not really had that much experience on. You know, a, a traditional car show, say, run by a big car magazine or something like Top Gear. They know where they are in that world. With us, they're not quite so sure. But what's happened here is very interesting, is I think really essentially Chinese car companies have jumped in big time. And I think finally, a few other car companies have seen that's happening and going, oh, maybe we should go, <laughs> go there too. So we're gonna, it's going to be spectacular. It is way beyond anything. We kept our uh, you know, expectations fairly low for how, how big a turnout it will be. But believe me, it's gonna, it is going to be the biggest EV event in the history of Australia. I think that's fair to say now. Well, that's fantastic. That's, that's really, really great. So you've got car companies. What, what is it about car companies, the traditional car companies? What, what, what bothers them about EV shows? I mean, I guess it could be traditional business models and the, 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 the fear of changing things. <laughs> it is. I mean, I think it is. I've had some really interesting discussion kind of off the record, and I'm sure you have as well, and I'm sure Daniel has, you know, with with, uh, you know, it, not necessarily the PR companies, they'll always do the spin, but with the engineers who work in big car companies and the designers and the people who are developing new models. And it is a, it's a really big change. You know, it is, it is as big a change as if you effectively make, uh, say, let's say, gas central heating boilers and you suddenly start making heat pumps. It's a totally different technology. It needs a completely different approach. It's almost entirely down to software so that doesn't, well, you know, people who make cars with carburettors or fuel injectors or, you know, radiators and cooling systems, they don't know about software. That's, that's not what they do. And so it's kind of a very, very different approach. And what we're seeing is the, the, the opportunities that then opens up for startup companies. And as we're seeing, particularly now, uh, Chinese startup companies that never made combustion engine vehicles. They've always made electronics, you know. So the fact that BYD, which is a battery company that used to make batteries for phones, are now making more buses and cars than anyone else on the planet is, shows that's where this is coming from. And I think it's a real challenge. If you've got a factory that employs 10,000 people and produces combustion engines, what do you do <laughs> when you, you realise that it's going to change? You've got to you know, the, 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 the challenge of changing that is, is enormous. And I state that figure because I spoke to someone at Volkswagen years, a few years ago. And I said, I suppose if you've got a thousand people making combustion cars, that's quite different. He said, try 10,000 and it's their jobs. And it's got a huge sort of knock on area of uh, parts deliveries and companies that are making parts. It employs hundreds of thousands of people. And what are you going to do? Just close that down. I, that was their argument. But the answer is, I think in the end, yes, you've got to change it, you know, and that's going to be very difficult. I mean, Daniel, you've actually written about this with um, Toyota and some of the other Japanese companies. Um, they're just really struggling um, with this transition. Um, Toyota's hardly making any electric vehicles um, quite sort of significantly, or maybe it is just symbolically, we don't know. Um, they're now talking about sort of a bit of a re-engineering of their business and they're going to have a new chief executive. Um, but presumably, they, if they're going to try and catch up, they're going to have to they're going to have to move quickly. Yeah, that's that's right, and and I agree with with Robert one hundred percent that like the the differences between internal combustion engine vehicles and electric vehicles um, are are enormous for for the average punter. They they look at 
they look at the two different cars and you know both of them have four wheels and, and four doors but that's that's really where the similarities end you've got um these enormous factories that have engine departments transmission departments um and all the other components that that aren't um aren't involved in electric vehicle manufacturing and it's not just the equipment it's it's also the the skills and the experience of the entire workforce that you know some of the some of the engineers and and factory workers have been working in these factories for for decades and for them to make that mental shift as well into a new technology is extremely challenging and yeah that i mean these these Big companies like Volkswagen or or, or um, Toyota, they are they are big ships, and it's you know big ships take a long time to turn around. But it's at the same time, it's it's also hard to feel sympathy for them because um, this the the writing has been on the wall for a long time, and and there's been there's pl- been plenty of um, plenty of warning warning uh, signals. For, yeah, for the last couple of decades. Yeah, no, well, that, that's right. Yeah, but I mean, this is the sort of the this is the very thing that you actually. I mean, talking about the workers, for instance. I mean, this was the theme of your coal miner and Tesla's YouTube um, um, uh, series, and you come from Central Queensland, the heart of coal company, coal coal country, and so you were talking to people who were in the coal industry had basically been sold a story about fossil fuels are good and there's you know, not going to be changed. But tell us about what you discovered from talking to these people and showing them the Teslas and how they're just sort of seeing their industry, whether it's going to continue, whether it's going to transition and how they sort of see their role in it. And, and, and does that change when they're presented with new technologies like you showed them when, with the Tesla? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I think... Um... I think for, for looking at the, the the Australian coal industry, um, coal miners or, or coal mining communities have been on the receiving end of, of a lot of um, political propaganda for, for decades and, and and really fear campaigns by by certain politicians to to um, to to make them feel scared about the transition rather than see, seeing the opportunities. And I think like. Nowhere else has that that been more the case than than in Australia and, and the US as well, I guess. But but really, yeah. What what I found is is um, once once you do get out there and engage with people and and actually show them the tech, not just show them, let let them experience the technology. Um, they they love it. You know, every every coal miner I took for a drive during that series, not not one of them got out of the car disappointed, and and you know, most of them, well. All, all of them just absolutely loved the loved the experience. So I think that these that these communities or or people who work in the fossil fuel industry they've been told a lot of fibs over many years, and it, it may be the same thing that's that's happened in countries that um, have large automotive industries. A similar thing might be happening in Japan or or in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert, um, fully charged. I mean, who turns up to these um, huge events? I mean, you get tens of thousands of people. Are they are they are the EV converts? Are they the curious? Are they the skeptical? Are they um, who exactly are they? Yeah, it's a good, a very good question. It's a, it's not a mystery anymore. We sort of know now. I mean, it was I think the first year we did it in the UK, um, it was mostly people who were very enthusiastic about electric vehicles, even if they didn't own them. But what was interesting was even then. It was about, it was over half the people who turned up didn't have an electric car. 
uh, it was very noticeable that there were, you know, that, that, that yeah, that not everyone did have a, a, an electric car then. Because we kind of, my fear always was we'd have 35 men who've got Nissan Leafs who wanted to complain about the range and, you know, and the, the charger's not working and it would be quite a dull event. And thankfully it was nothing like that. And uh, it was a very enthusiastic, a positive event. So now the most recent uh, a fully charged live show we did in the UK, which was last summer, was uh, just short of 36,000 people coming, really broad range of people. So a lot of people with electric vehicles, but there was also an enormous amount of people who were interested in uh, energy systems in their homes. So there's a, we have, a, 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 in a sense, more on display in terms of home energy systems, solar panels, uh, different water heaters, cookers, uh, you know, electric, you know, more sustainable home technologies, really, really big growth area. Um, and that was one of the jokes of that, uh, uh, the most recent show was uh, Dan Caesar, my partner, and he's the CEO of the company that runs Fully Charged. He would, did a, a, a panel talk called Beyond the Boiler. And it was just became a joke internally that, you know, who's going to go and see Beyond the Boiler when we've got, you know, people from Jaguar and Ford and, you know, car companies and we've got exciting people who are developing electric aircraft. And those panels were very successful. But when we when Beyond the Boiler was on, I couldn't get near the theatre. It was standing room only. And we're talking like three or 4,000 people crammed into the theatre to see a talk about electric boilers, you know, about how you heat your home without burning gas. That was the, the, the key point of it. So that I think it is a very broad spectrum of people that are going there. And I think what is interesting as well, which harks back to, to what Daniel was saying, was that but the first year we did the show in the UK, uh, very few of the big established automotive companies re were represented there. We had all the cars there because we had people who owned the cars. So for instance, Jaguar Land Rover were not, uh, did not exhibit, but we had Jaguar I-Paces on display, which belonged to you know, private individuals. Tesla never do those things anyway. I think they, they will be a, a presence from now on. They've changed their mind. But what happened was, what we found out later was that the PR people and representatives from those companies, they all came to the show. They bought tickets. They didn't tell us. They didn't hassle us. They just had a sniff. And the next year, the, uh, the test drives were just chocker with car companies with electric cars that you could test drive. So it, I think it's that as a natural process of uh, it's a bit of fear there and they'll you know they do turn up in the end but I mean it's I just think it is very hard for them and when they see you know even 10 years ago you could see a car that was made in China and most people in in uh, you know Australia North America Europe would have not necessarily sneered at it but not shown a great deal of interest you see those cars now they're as they're well as well made as anything that, that is made in Europe or Japan or Korea you know they're really well made cars I just might have been in a, a, a BYD Atto 3 here in Brisbane. It's such a tight little car. It's got one or two peculiar design quirks, but it's a really well-made little car, and I was really impressed with it. So what sort of opportunities will people have to drive different vehicles in the, uh, in the Sydney event? That's a very good question. <laughs> and, and the subtext of that is I'm not 100% certain because I'm not involved in the organising. I know there are test drives. I have asked that. So I think that is going to be happening, but I don't know to, uh, on quite on what scale. And also because it's, the, the event is taking place right in the middle of Sydney. I mean, it's in Darling Harbour in the Exhibition Centre. I don't know what the, what the road network is like around there. I don't know Sydney well enough. I have spent time there, but I don't know the area well enough to know how easy it is to go for a test drive there. So 
that's a, still a bit of a question. But it won't be an open track, that's for sure. It'll be over the Anzac Bridge and do a loop and come back again. But um, plenty of room for some electric yes. boats. Plenty of room for some electric boats if you've got them. <laughs> yes, I know. I wish we had. God, I would love that. Because we did have them in when we did the show in Amsterdam. We had the uh, the show showground was right. It was next to a canal. I mean, everything's next to a canal in Amsterdam. But there, we had some amazing electric boats there because that's you know that's their thing. But uh, yeah, I think we're. I don't know what the electric boat situation is here. I know that in when we do the show in Vancouver this autumn, uh, that there are electric aircraft. Uh, there are sailplanes that that will be on display there. So they and they've got a. Um, it's just about to put it into into general use when we were there last time, which is a, a, a converted to Havilland sailplane, like the sort that land in, in Rose Bay in Sydney. Uh, I can't remember the exact make, but a nice old de Havilland, but they're now electrically powered. They, I think they can carry like six, seven people, something like that, but that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, sort of talking, I mean, you've, I mean, how many people listen to your videos or watching, watching your videos now? Um, what sort of readership are you I get? don't, I, I mean, it, it, it so depends on what the topic is. So we get, from, I suppose, between sort of 60 to 100,000 to, to several million. So it depends on that. I mean, I think that we're, we're, we're still not at a million subscribers. We're at, uh, I can actually look. <laughs> I can't remember how many our subscribers we've got. I'm going to look at it right now. We're at 988,819. It's just gone up to from 816 to 19. There we go. So uh, that, and we've had a total of 166 million views. I suppose, since the show's been going. But I mean, it has been, that's, been, that's over 13 years, you know, so it's been going a long time. But I mean, that is, uh, you know, there's a really big team now behind that, you know, because when people ask me, you know, do you make money on YouTube? If I could do what we do all on my own, yes, I could make a living from the income from YouTube, but, but there's actually quite a lot of us. <laughs> so it definitely doesn't cover that, you know. Uh, but it's, I mean, it has been an extraordinary experience for, for me to come out of, effectively traditional TV broadcasting, which is what I've done for most of my adult life, and to go into this, which just felt so weird to start with, because it was so different, um, but it's been a real pleasure to, for it to succeed. And it's taken, it hasn't been an overnight success, anything but, you know, it took, I think it took two years before we had a million views, and now we get about a million a week. So it, that's the, the difference. It has really changed a lot. But I, it's very much down to the actual topic you know the topic has become a real central focus as I'm sure you, you you're aware of this and I think this is why I find being an Australian now so exciting is that it feels like the the change that we're talking about in ground transport in renewable energy in the grid infrastructure has kind of been held back by the previous administration and it feels like the technology has really moved on to make it really capable of happening and there's like a, a tidal wave of change going on through the through the whole country. I mean, I was hearing yesterday from Professor Ray Wills, who I'm sure many Australians will know about, uh, will know of him, you know, talking about all the battery projects that are going on around the country and the huge solar projects. I mean, I mean it's on such a colossal scale and very, very fast. And the, the kind of penetration of homes of solar on people's roofs and batteries in people's houses is a, you know, it's making a, a it's making an impact. Yeah, no, absolutely. So tell us what your favourite, um, 
What's this been your sort of favourite programme? What's been your sort of favourite sort of development in the last year or so? I mean, is there any sort of new vehicles which have just really caught your eye and just thought this is absolutely the bee's knees? And uh, um, yeah, what can you tell us about that? I think, well, I think that, uh, you know, I think air, the aircraft we've seen, so there's some of them we're not even, we're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> we've seen some prototypes of, you know, really big, I mean, Airbus and Boeing are doing stuff in electric aviation, which is, you know, fairly well known anyway, but Rolls-Royce. So some very big companies are putting a lot of time, effort and money into that. And those are exciting. But I've seen one or two vertical takeoff and landing, you know, like effectively air taxis that will, I think, I actually now think will be fully autonomous long before ground transport. So they're, they're, talk, they're developing fl flying machines, effectively, that don't need pilots. And that, you can sort of see why that makes sense. Because if, uh, if you're a flying machine and there's an obstacle, you don't, you, can't, you don't just have to do left or right. You can do up, down, stop, go uh, you know, da you know, left or right. And you know, you've got a multiplicity of, 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 of options to deal with that. Uh, whereas if you're in a vehicle and you're going along a road, you're really restricted in where you can go. You know, that's, that's been a very interesting... It's, uh, all the engineers I spoke to in that field say it's much easier to have autonomous flight than to have autonomous ground transport. That's one thing. But then the other one, which is I went in just the other day here in, in Brisbane, was one of the, the Jan Janus electric trucks. So it's a converted heavy, I, I mean, because I, we all call things different names. I'd call it a, a truck or a lorry. I'd call it a lorry. It's big. So it's the biggest lorry that's allowed on Australian roads, whatever size that is. One of those really big, huge American-built trucks. And it's uh, been converted to electric drive. And I just thought this is going to be another sort of experimental one-off. You know, they've, they've managed to make this one work. This it, it, I was completely wrong. I went to see it on Australia Day for the only reason was that was the one day of the week it wasn't being used as it always is. Every day it's delivering sand to building sites all around Brisbane. And it can drag 60, I think 60 tons of sand. It's huge. It's a really big truck. And it's 100% electric. Where the fuel tanks used to be are batteries that they can swap. They don't charge the batteries in the truck. They swap them out. It takes a few minutes. It's really quick. And they're developing uh, autonom automatic systems for changing the batteries. It, when you go in it, you just go, this, is, this has got to happen. Because when you think of the amount of truck transport in, a, in Australia, of heavy haulage, that's being done. You know, this is, I, I was just really excited about that. I thought, I thought this is as important as any electric car that we might be interested in, you know, as people who drive electric cars, but this is real game-changing stuff. Yeah, I was fascinating going to, um, I went to the Hanover Truck Show in uh, Germany last um, September. I've never been to a truck show in my life, and um, I was absolutely just fascinated. I walked in there. It's apparently it's the biggest um, conference um, in the world, um, probably just by area because trucks are so damn big anyway, so it needs all the space. But um, it, it, everything was electric. Um, it was just extraordinary. All the major um, trucking companies were just basically saying, we're going electric, we're going clean. Um, and look, it was big trucks, it was sort of specialty trucks, you know, cranes, rubbish things and things like that. A lot of last mile delivery trucks because it seems that in Europe now they're kind of getting sick of the diesel, sick of the fumes. So they're basically going to be telling the, um, the logistics companies, sorry, you're not allowed to bring fossil cars into our neighbourhood or our community or our city. 
and the trucking companies expect that to happen within a few years. So it's, um, I thought it was just quite remarkable, um, just the pace that, and the ambition and the eagerness um, which these guys were sort of moving to to, um, to to electric trucks. And it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, like the Tesla Semi, which was the original electric truck, I mean, it was nowhere to be seen and we still haven't actually, well, we've seen it, I think, oh no, I think, um, is it, um, was it Freelos or something like that have got them? Have you, have you actually seen one yet? I haven't, I haven't seen one and I haven't, but I mean, they are, I think they are on the road and they, the official line is they're actually being used by, I think Pe uh, PepsiCo, isn't it? Which I, I think isn't Pepsi-Cola. I think it's PepsiCo or a distribution company, but I may have got that wrong. Your American listeners, I'm sure, will correct us. I'm not absolutely sure. But, but yeah, no, but I think they are, in, they are in use. But I think that was why I was impressed with... Uh, uh, well, one of the things that I, you know, I think it's very important to quickly mention is that the truck I was driving in... Well, I wasn't driving the truck I was, uh, had a ride in is powered by the solar panels on the roof of the warehouse where it's housed. And the owner of the truck, the trucking company, is just going. How 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 soon can you convert all my trucks? He doesn't want any diesel anymore. Could you imagine what they? You know, those things don't do forty miles to the gallon. You know, they do three or four miles to the gallon. You know, or you know, you know, I, I had, they use a lot of diesel. And if you can produce your own fuel on your own building that you already own, and you've installed solar, and you've can charge the batteries up, which is a really simple. That's one of the reasons they do battery swapping is that you're charging your batteries all the time, and you know, and they uh, you don't have to buy as a trucking company. You don't buy the batteries. The, the, the Janus own the batteries, and they maintain them, but they can be charged at your depot, uh, and you're so you're not paying a fuel bill. I mean, they are saving hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, not burning diesel, which is you know. I would imagine very attractive to big trucking companies. Uh, Daniel, this is just one of the major issues in Australia, isn't it? I mean, we're just hearing so much claptrap about electric vehicles, particularly from the conservative media, and you know, still from the um, you know sort of conservative parties and things like that. But one of the things that's very much underplayed in Australia is the cost savings, and particularly in Australia because we've got such crappy fuel standards and just sort of crappy um, efficiency, and um, and the health impacts. Yeah, that's right. Um, but before, yeah, before before chatting about that, just a quick, a quick, um, a quick thing on uh, the, on on electric trucks. One of the things that I, I find really interesting is that um, you could you could make the argument that we we should almost prioritize um, trucks or yeah, large semi trucks over over cars because you you're, you're getting a, a better bang for your buck in terms of reducing emissions and pollution um, per, per, per battery production. I remember hearing that Tesla is, was battery constrained and it could either make five Model 3, I don't know if it's still the case, but it might have been a couple of years ago, they could make five Model 3s or they could make one semi because uh, they were constrained by their, their battery production. Um, and they, I think Elon Musk was saying they preferred to do the to make more cars to achieve their their mission but you could look at that a different way and and say that you know the semi truck's going to be on the road for you know 12 hours a day and um whereas your average car is only on the road for an hour a day or something so per per battery you could you could make the argument that it's 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 a better use it's a better use of of batteries to to build build trucks you're going to get more emissions are you going to get more pollution out of the air and you're going to get emissions down faster? 
Um, but but yeah, getting back to the question, yeah, the the I think EV owners once once you own an EV and you you see or you you realise how much you do save, um, it becomes really clear. But one of the big issues in in Australia is that there's still a lot of misinformation um, around electric vehicles and yeah as once you've owned an electric vehicle you understand how much you can save not only in in powering the the vehicle but also maintenance costs but i think there's a lot of parallels again between um electric vehicles and petrol vehicles you can you can it's almost a similar battle that's been playing out between renewable energy and fossil fuel energy coal, coal and gas versus solar and wind really Solar and wind power are the biggest threat to the oil and gas, uh, so into to the coal and gas industry. They're like their direct competitors, and electric vehicles are the biggest uh, threat to the to the oil industry. So there's a lot of big money that's uh, that's against electric vehicles. I think the the global oil industry generates around three trillion dollars US per year. So it's, it works out to be something like five billion. US dollars per day. So from the oil industry's perspective, every day that they can delay the uptake of electric vehicles is worth $5 billion. $5 billion. So they've got, um, they've got billions of dollars to, to put into, like you, you, could, you could make the argument that they could put a billion dollars into paying people to spread misinformation. And if it delayed the uptake of electric vehicles by one day, then it's it's paid for itself, really. Um, so that's that's what that's what the electric vehicle movement is is up against, and um, it's it's amazing to see how quickly it's growing now. Um, and and I think it just shows how strong the the community is. Yeah, Robert, um, well, tell us exactly how quickly things are going in the UK, for instance, and um, and other parts of Europe that you've observed. Um, is it is, is it accelerating? Yes, it, it definitely is. I mean, the uptake of electric vehicles in the UK, in, really since we were sort of released from the, the pandemic, has been really, really noticeable. And it's not been 100% positive because of the sudden increase in demand for public charging and the reliability of the public charging network and the, the number of people who've got an electric car in the last 18 months. And we're talking now, you know, over a million new electric cars on the road. It's really noticeable how many more there are. You know, and if a charger doesn't work, <laughs> there's a lot of people making a lot of noise, and that's a for for really good reasons. I mean, I you know, it's 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 not right. So there's a lot of pressure now to 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 in terms of pressure on the government to say you need to legislate to ensure that chargers are more reliable because it's fine. Yeah, anyone can put a charger in, but you and not anyone. What we're learning is not anyone can make sure it works twenty four hours a day, which is what we need, and that's that's a that's certainly a, a challenge. But I mean, I think how much of that is that, how much of a problem is that in the UK? Because we're certainly finding that here in Australia, um, you know, there's sort of been periods of time when um, it's been a real issue, and and particularly some parts in Australia, because you can travel two hundred kilometres or something like that and go to a place with one single charger and it's not working, and you're going, hmm, yeah. So what are my options? Yes. No, it is. I mean, it, it, it certainly is. I think it's, it's less of a problem now in the UK than it was. Um, and I think the technology is getting more reliable. And I think there are now, you know, big companies putting 
proper big money in. And so you, where, where you would stop, say, at a motorway rest stop in the UK, and there would be two chargers, one of which you hoped would work, there's probably now 16 or 20. So, you know, it's a lot more. Uh, it's a, there's been a really big increase. We've also got uh, the first of a whole fleet of charging hubs that are per dedicated, purpose-built, uh, rapid charging places where there's a there's a staff all the time on site to maintain and make sure they work and to show people how to use them and all that. And that's been a real step change. When you use one of those, you go, this is this is what it should be like, you know. And it's it's well lit. It's open 24 hours a day. It's got a shop. It's got toilets. It's got Wi-Fi. You know. Then you go, this is this is, you know, a hugely improved experience. So that's a, that's certainly a big challenge. I mean, I think the thing that we've seen and that, that the British public in general have accepted is the reason we've had a price rise in our energy costs is because of gas. It's not because of renewables. And I think that, that's been a real big sea change because we've been told, just as Daniel was saying, we've been told for years, oh, there's subsidies on wind farms. Make We all have to pay for that. And that's keeping poor people in fuel poverty. These utter twisted lies that the coal industry have tried and the gas industry, and they really is brutal. They don't pull their punches. And now we've all realised, oh no, wait a minute, the wind generation is now such a substantial part of the UK energy network. Uh, and that is cheaper. And we can see it's cheaper. And the reason the, the price went up was because of gas and nothing else. And that, that was to do with Putin and all his issues. Um, and that's now levelling out and it will come down again. But I mean, we are, there are regular days now when we're in the mid 70% of our entire electricity uh, generation is is offshore wind, which is extraordinary because that was you know ten percent when I started fully charged that might have been ten percent on a really windy day but probably not even that, so it's that has been a huge change and it's made an enormous difference to the way the the country operates. But it's interesting actually yes I think just the other day um, South Australia um, was powered entirely by. Um, by solar power um, for, um, or at least for sort of six hours yeah. a day during the middle of the day. That may not happen in England anytime soon, but maybe I'm just being a bit mean um, and and boastful. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's a it's a fair point to say that, that Australia gets more sunshine than the UK. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a contentious political point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the sort of forces of evil and the forces of um, darkness sort of criticising. I mean, I, uh, Robert was, it was interesting what Robert was saying about, um, you know, the general population sort of understanding now that sort of gas is the cause of all these um, price rises and things like that. I mean, that's exactly the case in Australia. But I'm just wondering how well that is understood because our, our, our media is just so damn dominated by, by the Murdoch media and other conservatives. Um, yeah, that's that's right, and and maybe you know maybe we are a few years behind uh, behind the UK. It sounds like we we definitely are on electric vehicles, and the it's 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 really fascinating to hear, like Robert was saying, how fast um, the wind generation has grown in the UK. Because as you say, similar things happened here. But but if if we think back over the last couple of couple of decades here here in Australia, um, think back to to all of the the media reporting on on climate change, just the the things that would come up again and again was that that you know it's going the the transition is going to take decades. Um, that you know journalists are constantly asking what's going to be the cost of the transition, um, and it, it's really been framed. Uh, it, it's been framed as 
uh, something that would take a very long time and be and be very very expensive. And what we're what we're seeing now is that's just not the case. That that, that this transition is is going to happen much faster than um, most people have been have been led to believe. Um, and really, that's that's what happens during an industrial revolution is and that's that's what we are experiencing now is that there's a, a slow a slow uh start to it and then once it once it gets into a into like an exponential curve it, it gets to a i call it like the, the meaty part of the the exponential curve and i think we're just getting into that bit now and those those numbers that came out of germany and and the uk in december were just phenomenal i think we we did a report for the driven on it and um the I, I think that the average 2022 figure for the UK was 17% for Germany it was 18% and when you look at the december numbers they both the UK and Germany were 33% all of all new car sales fully electric um so that that curve is is starting to turn upwards very quickly and um I think the other thing mentioning the media is like re- reality is starting to collide with a lot of the the lies, as as Robert as Robert pointed out. Um, people can see now that the the price rises are because of, of gas of the gas industry. Um, more and more people now understand that it's cheaper to run an EV. So when they do hear a News Corp um, journalist talking about how terrible electric vehicles are you know they'll be down the pub chatting with their mate and their mate will tell them otherwise so then it's it, it's damaging starting to damage the reputation of of uh, of the media yes 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 well and, and and we know now that you can go camping with them and tow your boat and things like that um what, what are you driving at at the moment in your um because i think at the last time i spoke to you you might have had a I can't quite remember what you had. I think you might have had a Tesla. I think you might have even had one of their very first Ionic 5s long before they even arrived in Australia. But uh, what have you got now? Have you still got the same ones? Yeah, no, I've got a, I've got a now whatever it is, four-year-old uh, Tesla Model 3. It's an early one, which, I, which has been absolutely faultlessly perfect. Uh, and I, I always want to add, and annoying, just because I just want to be annoyed by Tesla, because they're about five to ten years ahead of anyone else in terms of software and battery management and drivetrain stuff you just go why are they why can they do it <laughs> it annoys me but we've also now got an mg4 which is which i is waiting for us when we get back to the uk so i'm very excited about that because i i only drove i had one for a week when we had a test driver one and i loved it and i just thought this is such a great little car so i've leased an mg4 and the tesla actually goes back in uh, when does the Tesla lease end? In June this year, I think. So, um, so we're we're going for a, a yes. We're we're trying an MG4 for, to see how that is, which is a great little car. Well, that's, that's, that sounds exciting. In fact, the MG4 I think is going to be one of the um, one of the new cars that's going to be unveiled for the first time in Australia at the fully charged show in Sydney. So um, I did so. I didn't want to mention that because I didn't want to go on about it. But you're absolutely did right. You? The MG4 will be. <laughs> It will be. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, it will be. Oh, it's great. It's a really good little car. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, yeah. Um, and it will be. Have any other sort of special speakers coming up at the fully charged show? Um, there, there are. There, there are loads. Uh, yeah. Once again, there are loads of amazing speakers that are, are going to be appearing there, and I haven't got a clue who they are yet, and I haven't had my list sent to me. 
so I will do. It's a bit early for me. I don't know. They're still. I know they're still organising it. But um, yeah, there's some really interesting people. Yeah. Well, there's Daniel and myself, of course. So that'd be good. <laughs> yes. No. Exactly. You'll be there. You're, uh, sorry, I should have said that. The most important person that appearing is Giles. Absolutely. But also, uh, we just. In fact, this is only. I only found about out about this last night. Is that uh, Jack Scarlett is now flying over to join us at the at the at Fully Charged Live Sydney, which is great because he's 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 just really good. He's like a he's like really professional <laughs> and talented. It's a bit worrying, you know, because the old man's a bit of a flake. But, you know, so we've got Jack who will be uh, ju uh, chairing some of the panels, which is really good. He's very, very good at it. And he's you know, great fun to be with. So I'm very happy he's coming out. Yeah, terrific, terrific. OK, Robert, well, look, um, thank you very much for um, coming back onto the Driven podcast and um, our first episode of the year. So um, I'm wishing you um, all the best. And look, I'm looking forward to catching up at the, uh, at the Fully Charged Festival in Sydney. It should be, uh, should be fantastic. No, thank you so much, Giles. Thank you for having me on. It's a real, a real pleasure to talk. And, we'll, yeah, we'll see you soon. Absolutely. And thank you, Daniel. Um, we'll probably be back on, on air in a couple of weeks with, uh, with another episode and as we sort of do the gradual handover. So um, look forward to catching up in, um, in Sydney um, as well. Thanks for, thanks for being on this um, episode. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much, Giles. And, and thanks very much, uh, Robert. It's been, been great, um, great uh, chatting with you today and, and really looking forward to the event. And yeah, just wanted to say thanks, Robert, for all you've all you're doing for the electric vehicle movement. It, it really is a it's a grassroots movement, and um, yeah, you, you, I think what what you've done with the channel and, and what you're doing with this event is really really valuable. So thank you. Fantastic. Okay, well, look, um, my name's Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of the Driven, and joining me um, has been Robert Llewellyn from Fully Charged and uh, Daniel Bleakley from the um, for also from the Driven, the lead reporter for the Driven. And um, thanks for listening to this episode of the Driven podcast. And we'll be back in a fortnight. Um, see you soon, or see you even at the Fully Charged Festival in Sydney in March the 11th and 12th. I suppose we should tell people actually when it is. Um, possibly see you there. Bye for now. You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy, One Step Off the Grid and The Driven Websites.